listening to the Simple Worship Podcast, recorded each week at University Christian Church in Fort Worth, Texas. To learn more about our services, ministries, and outreach opportunities, please visit universitychristian.org. Sometimes as I'm reading scripture, it's kind of hard for me to understand Jesus' train of thought. (laughs) Uh, At times, especially in the book of Matthew, it seems like he's really open about his identity. He performs some really public miracles. Uh, If you were here a few weeks ago, we talked about he was in the synagogue and he cast a demon out of somebody in front of the whole synagogue. And um, then he... The whole town of Capernaum came to the house where he was staying and everybody got healed. Um, He, so far in the Gospel of Mark, up through where we'll be today, uh, has fed a group of 5,000 people and then on a separate occasion fed a group of 4,000 people. He's always preaching about the nature of God's kingdom and outlining his expectations for his followers. But then we've also got this side of Jesus that... uh, kind of seems secretive, like of wanting to protect his identity from too many people knowing who he is and forbidding people to tell things he has done or who he is. Uh, That demon that I mentioned earlier that he cast out in the synagogue, it's said that he would not permit the demon to speak because the demon knew who he was. Um, He raised a girl from the dead and then ordered that nobody should know. Don't tell anybody we did this. Um, He healed a deaf man and ordered him to tell no one. He healed a blind man and sent him home and said, just go directly to the village. Don't, no, he just go to your home. Don't even go in the village. And so before today's reading, you know, we're holding these very public proclamations of Jesus beside these very private and and quiet, kind of almost secretive things that he has done. He's walking with his disciples to Caesarea Philippi and he just asks them, who are, who are people saying that I am? And they answer, some think you're John the Baptist, who about now had been killed. Some people think you're Elijah, come back to life. Some people think you're one of the prophets. And so then Jesus says, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter answers, you're the Messiah. And Jesus sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. So I don't, it's kind of hard to figure what this ambiguity is about. This is the third time in the Gospel of Mark that Jesus has sternly ordered someone not to speak about what he has done or who he is. I also want to take a moment and really think about and see if we can let sink into our minds what a bombshell just got dropped on the disciples. Certainly they believed that he was the Messiah. He had called them. They were following him. They had seen him do all these things. But now it had been spoken out loud. It had been confirmed. Jesus confirmed that he was the Messiah. For thousands of years, people had been waiting for a Messiah. And not only was it finally happening, but these disciples who were with him, they were living in the time that the Messiah appeared. And not only that, They had been chosen to follow him. And so I imagine some of them, if not all of them, started thinking about what that meant for them. 
if Jesus is the Messiah and Israel is going to be returned to its former glory under his leadership and they're free from the Roman Empire, what role were they going to get to play? Or even better, what important position will they hold in God's kingdom? And some of the disciples a couple of chapters later are going to ask Jesus that very thing. When you're sitting in your heavenly throne, who gets to sit beside you? Humans think about stuff like that. Uh, what does this mean for me? And that's okay because we're designed that way. We have these built-in responses and actions that we use to keep us safe and to protect us from danger. And we walk around this world at the center of our own world. So it's just very natural for as things happen that we would want to know how something's going to affect us. We also have brains that give us the ability to dream and to imagine. So here we are. This huge news has just been dropped. They are with the confirmed Messiah. Yay! But we can't tell anybody. Boo! So that's where the scripture picks up today. This is uh, chapter 8 of Mark. I'm going to be starting at verse 31. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. So we've talked about the mindset of where the disciples might be, possible grandeur, places of honor, freedom from the Roman government. And then Jesus turns right around and says, but also I'm going to be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. That's all the people that matter in this community of faith. Those are the, the big guns in this community of faith. They're going to reject the Messiah. Oh yeah, and they're going to kill me too, and I'll rise again. Rejection, suffering. How can you be the Messiah and be subject to suffering and rejection? And not only is Jesus saying these things to his disciples, but to a crowd, quite openly, he's sharing these things. And Peter pulls him aside to rebuke him. It's a reprimand, a criticism. Now, we don't know what Peter reprimanded Jesus for exactly, but Jesus responded really harshly by apparently calling Peter Satan and telling him he's too occupied by human things, human thoughts. And this story makes me flash mad. Um, it reminds me of, I think I was in the ninth grade, and it was a, some kind of social studies class. And when the class started, the teacher said, we are... Uh, we're going to review for the test coming up, but I have to show you a video today. So if somebody wouldn't mind telling me when it's 2 o'clock or whatever time, we need to stop the review and so that I can show you the video. Well, I had a watch, and so we're going over the test review. It gets 2 o'clock, and I raise my hand, Mr. Wilson, it's 2 o'clock. <laughs> well, I would have thought that you would want to go over the test, but I guess you'd rather watch a video. 
I was so embarrassed. And of course, all my classmates are looking at me like. <laughs> but that was what he asked me to do, you know, or asked us to do. Let us, let me know when this thing, you know, oh, just made me so mad. And so I recognize that I'm overlaying my own experience on this story. And I appreciate y'all letting me process all these old stories. It's a lot cheaper than therapy. But part of me feels like that Peter pulled Jesus aside to be like, hey, man, you just said you didn't want anybody to know this. And now you're like telling it. And then he got his eyebrows singed off. The story continues. Jesus called the crowd with the disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words... In this adulterous and simple generation of them, the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. If I'd have been Peter, I'd have left. I would have walked away. Because it seems like Jesus was saying all this in response to their exchange. You want, you want to follow me? You have to deny yourself. Peter has done that. Peter left his job. Peter left his home and his family. I don't know how much family he had, but we know that he at least had a mother-in-law to care for. Jesus even changed his name. Hi, I'm Simon. Well, I'm going to call you Peter now. He was the one who declared that Jesus was the Messiah. And now Jesus has like clapped back at him and like, oh, you, you're ashamed of me. I'll be ashamed of you. You're the one who kept saying, I didn't say anything. <laughs> I feel like Peter's just frustrated. I would be. So I spent a lot of time sort of processing through what might have gone on here. And I've, I've come up with a sort of an unorthodox <laughs> explanation. I don't know if this is what happened or not. I don't tell people what to think. I'm going to share with you what I think. And maybe that will help you process this story, as I often say. I think Jesus did get mad during that exchange. But I wonder if he was mad at himself that he wasn't calling Peter Satan but that he was actually speaking to the tempter, the actual tempter. Uh, we know that Jesus was tested in the wilderness by the tempter, the devil, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's called both in the scripture. And in one of the gospels it says at that end of that time of testing that the tempter went away until an opportune time, which tells me the time of temptation wasn't over. I wonder if in that moment Jesus had an epiphany. Peter pulled him aside and said, you've, you've been telling us not to tell anybody about the Messiah. And Jesus is like, no, the time for that is over. The time for ambiguity and secrecy is done. I'm done I got to teach. I got to preach. I don't care who knows who I am. And Jesus, you know, recognized this temptation to keep who he was a secret. Satan, get behind me. You're setting your mind on human things, not divine things. And then he goes into this difficult teaching. 
He propels himself into this difficult teaching. He's destined for rejection. He is destined for suffering. He is bound for death on the cross. Not because God requires that, but because the people in power are going to oppose God's message so violently because God's message upsets the balance. God's kingdom upsets the power. It turns over the traditions. So Jesus says, if you want to follow me, follow me with everything that you are. Don't be ashamed about it. Tell it. Don't give up your life, the center of who you are. Don't forget who you are. Don't give any of that up for worldly gain. Your life is worth more than that. If you live out this call, people are going to reject you. You may suffer. You may die. But don't compromise. Don't compromise my call on your life. Don't compromise the gospel for popularity or comfort or money. Sometimes people think that Christians are destined to live lives of suffering, to look for suffering almost. And that's not the way it is. Following Christ brings great joy, freedom even from the things that bind us, that tempt us. But Jesus is saying, if we want to live fully into his way, then it's not always going to be easy. So during this season of Lent, we have a great opportunity to examine ourselves, to examine our lives, to spend time in prayer and reflection. What is Jesus calling me to do? How is Jesus calling me to live? And then we decide whether we want to do it or not, without shame, without fear, no matter what the consequences are. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Simple Worship Podcast. If you enjoyed today's sermon, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with others. To learn more, please visit universitychristian.org.